Welcome back to the Basement Film News Club, which you are now tuning in yet another exciting adventure with us here on Country Glasses the Podcast. I'm your host, Kevin, as usual, and um, we have for you here today a very special uh, two-part podcast. This is going to be part one uh, of our of our in-depth, uh, soulful, serious important discussion uh, with one Aaron Abernathy. Now, you know, uh, we've been talking about his album Dialogue for a little bit now. In fact, uh, last week, you heard us talk about the album itself. It took about two hours. And that was uh, myself, uh, Eduardo, and, and Mr. Marcus K. Dowling talking about it. But, uh, uh, but really, the truth of all this lies in hearing Ab talk about it in his own words. Now, to give you about a week to digest it, you haven't heard the album yet please before you dive into this go and go and check it out it's up on apple music it's up on uh spotify it's on title it's, it's everywhere you can buy music um and uh you know i brought his friend chris along here who has been his uh, unofficial a and r guy they've been working this campaign for this now and um and we sat down and had a good uh <laughs> essentially three-hour conversation about uh, the making of this album, about uh, a lot of it about the song Restrictions, a lot of it about Ab's career and and what it took to get to this point, and then a lot about how this whole uh, album, this statement, relates to where we are today. We know that racism uh, exists. We know that it's not going away. We know that we have white supremacists uh, running our government right now here in America. For all you uh, international listeners, uh, that's indisputable. Sorry, kids. Um, but uh, the point of Aaron's album is that we start talking about it. We have a dialogue. And so that's what we did. And... You know, I will say, I might have said this on the last podcast, if, um, you know, we, we've done 300 and, this is like 315 or so, we've done over 300 of these episodes and, you know, auspicious beginnings and whatnot, but we've, I, I feel like the whole team has done some good work, but uh, if it all led to doing this, uh, this is, um, professionally at least, this is, the, the uh, I think the my favorite and, and possibly most important conversation that we've had that I've been able to have a hand in producing and get out there for you to hear. So whatever that is worth, um, uh, that's, that's what, that's what we have going on here for you today and on Friday. So right now, uh, we're going to start to head down, down to the basement. If you're comfortable, uh, get a beverage, just a long one. We're going to, we're going we're gonna to cut it about the, I think somewhere around like hour and 15 minutes, hour and a half. Uh, it is a three-hour conversation. Part one is going to be right now. Tomorrow, uh, we're a very special Friday episode. We're going to present to you part two. Um, 
And uh, I don't just recommend that you tune in, uh, but I recommend you tell your friends to tune in. Uh, and then and then interact. We, we'd love it if you'd interact with us and, and, and email us or leave in the comments, ask us questions, get in touch with Ab. But uh, really, uh, just talk to each other about these issues and uh, maybe we can start to start to start to get a little better so without further ado uh here you go uh this is our conversation with uh the man who made the best album of 2017 uh that's an objective fact kids mr aaron abernathy Oh, wait, what's next? What's coming next? Yeah, man, it was that was a cool, cool yeah. story, man. I just laughed, man. Uh, to at the post office. <laughs> how many? How many copies of Dialogue did you get rid of? I only sold um, one at, the, at post the post office. office? <laughs> yeah, yeah, but Which like, it was just but, like, but, like that's that's not a thing you hear people say. Like, yeah. I only sold one at the post office. Yeah, it was. <laughs> <I'm> just, <laughs> Man, I love the post office in my hood, man. Like they, they, they be looking out and they be looking at me like, "What do you do?" No one else in there is coming in there taking international slips and shipping stuff to right. South Africa and Japan right. and right. Spain, mm-hmm. you know, in Australia. They're like, "What? What is this?" So when I went in there that time, I was like, "Let me take them some music so right. they understand what I'm shipping out." So right. when I went in there, day I took them. Um, I took Tio. My lady Laura, Miss Laura, I took him monologue CDs and dialogue CDs. Right. But I sold the dialogue I was going to give to T.O. Mm-hmm. to this guy, D.C. resident. He was really cool. And I didn't have any more. So right. this lady wanted one. So when I went in there yesterday to ship off some more stuff, I took some CDs with me. Just what it is, man. That's what it is. That's how you do it. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. It's, you said from the start, and we're sort of just rolling yeah, in yeah, this, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You said from the start, uh, we, we met up at uh, Songbird. Yeah, as we pointed out off off Mike seven hours, last seven night, hours like, later, we all talked. I, got, I, I guess I got trashed. I don't know. <laughs> I, I think I, I, we were there for seven hours. Yeah, we were there for, we seven were there for a minute, man. I remember <laughs> a long time. But we seven hours is enough time. time. Like, to do really, it. yeah. But everything since I've heard this album and started talking to you about this album has been focused on not the industry side of it per se, of just getting it out in the world. Yeah. Yeah. Right down to your friend Chris being here. My man. Yeah. Because when, you know, last time we talked, you just came over on a Saturday. We hung out and it was yeah. cool shit and had yeah. a good time. But this time you were like, nah, Chris has to come over and yep. and sort of walk us through how this all got started. Now we know where this got started, which was Inauguration Day. Yeah. yeah. So, but so there's like a backstory to it that Chris is like the unofficial A&R of this project nice. because we so um, nice of you to say those yeah. <laughs> <laughs> say that word because we first time um, I've ever been yeah. referred to as such yeah this is this is like my best friend you know what I'm saying yeah. and we um, we I think at the time that time in my life like this guy is like my therapist you know what I'm saying so mm-hmm. like we just talk about everything you know what I'm saying like my birthday is December 26th his is January 4th so we're both Capricorns right and um we just uh we have no problem with sharing things with each other so like i think he knew like everything that was going on in my life 
like relational wise, you know what I'm saying? And like when the new year came in, I was telling him like, yeah, I'm working on, you know, I worked on a chunk of monologue. I think it was like, uh, not, it was the winter before it came out, right mm-hmm. now. So, winter time is usually when I'm like recording when it's cold and you just in the basement where yep. you, you have no choice but to yeah I just be inside. Besides Chris, my sister, like she knows how I am. I'm a very introverted person. Right. Shout out right. to you calling me a wild falcon. A wild falcon <laughs> when seeing me in public because people know that I don't. I don't really go out, man. I, and when I heard that, I laughed. I was like, "That's so accurate." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> a unicorn or well, yeah. something. Yeah, mystical. my friend, my friend Kelly Thomas always called every time I come out to see her. DJ, shout out to DJ Cleveland Brown. Yep. Um, she always like a unicorn came out, but um, <laughs> I just like to kind of stay to myself. So, anyways, um, I think at that time, I was so focused on epilogue, um, and telling this story. That we'll get to later, but um, my good friend from college, Jay Young, gave me a call. Mm, Chris, Jay Young. Young. Yeah, we all went to Howard together, and he was he was talking about monologue, like, "Yo, man, monologue is great." Blah blah blah. At the time, I was telling him I was waking up every day at five a.m. and going to the gym, and he was like, "Yo, I want to get on that with you. So, would you mind calling me when you wake up in the morning to go to the gym?" Right. And I was right. like, "All right, cool." So I would call him, ask him if he's up. We would start having conversations. We were talking every day. Um, and he was like, so what you working on now? And I remember telling him I'm working on the final chapter to what I would call unofficially the log series. Mm-hmm. Um, and I told him it was called epilogue right. and he was like, I know you're not going, he was like, we got to get a dialogue from you. You can't get out of, you know, get out of here without a dialogue. He was like, you're the talking man. Like you always have good things to talk about you know from when we're having phone conversations to your blog like you always got something to say so he's like i gotta get a dialogue out of you and i was like all right that's a good idea and i remember <laughs> i remember calling chris and telling him like man guess what uh jay young told me like he was like you know i need to do an album called dialogue i was like well you know we'll, we'll it makes tuck perfect that. sense all right yeah i was like yeah. we'll tuck that away i didn't even think about that one right, right. prologue monologue epilogue that's all i was on dialogue i was like that's good I was like, oh man, it's cool. It fits, man. It's, yeah, we didn't really think too much of it outside of that. You know what right. I'm saying? It was just kind of like, oh man, that's cool. It, it seems like it would be another springboard for you to like keep this like log series unofficially yeah, like, yeah. going, right? right? Yeah, because the thing with monologue was was that it, it was very planned out. Yeah, from yeah it was. It, it was right. very. It was Before very prologue, specific. We knew we were going to do monologue. Yeah, yeah, right. and it, it was very, very specific in what it was trying to say. I mean, you you could hear it in the songs and stuff, but just talking to you about it for like five minutes, you realize that this is, this is. You could write it out as a narrative, put it up on in on Amazon as a Kindle book, and you'd be like, "All right, I've got monologue," and then there it is. Yeah, just rap lyrics like that. So, um. No, and knowing you were going to do epilogue, I was like, exactly the log series. Like yeah. this is this is this is your epic journey. This is your Star Wars. Oh man! Right, you know there okay. it is. <laughs> so, you know, yeah. All right. So yeah, like I, I distinctly remember those conversations. Um, that one in particular, where it was just floated around for the first time. Like, okay, we're going to do this dialogue thing. Let like, me, you know, you, you said you said it before. Like we talk about everything, you know. What I'm saying? Yeah. So it was just like I knew. We kind of go through things at, uh, around the same, around Man, the same time. It's, it's crazy, yeah. you know. So we were dealing with a lot of the same things, like a lot of the same emotional things, a lot of right, the same, right. a lot of the same issues, just with the country in itself. You know what I'm saying? 
so all of our discussions were about that. You kind of alluded to this too, where it was just like, we were talking about these things anyway, you know? Yeah. Yep. So like when that started to happen, he was like, I, I, I feel something, man. Like I right. am about to go into the lab. I've been thinking about what Jay Young was saying about this dialogue and I think I'm about to go at it. I'm like, all right. Yeah. You know, that's it cool. just, I don't even know how this album happened. Right. That's what you said to me a lot uh, during this process. Real quick. How long have you guys known each other? Pushing like 15, 16. It's got to be that. I mean, I I knew him freshman year of college, but right, right. we started like being tight like sophomore year because yeah. I am a recluse. <laughs> Word up. That's good. My roommate. <laughs> yeah. Was the anti-recluse. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Dude, this guy. Shouts out to, shout out to the brother. Yeah. My shout man, Serrano Barnes. Um, this guy is unbelievable, man. He used to just invite people to our dorm room. I would like come. I would come. I would what come back do? from yeah, class, you know, and like people would be. There would be three people sitting on my bed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like what? Three on his playing Madden. There was a fight that broke out on my bed. Yeah, it was. It's like, come on, man. This guy's unbelievable, but he's a great guy. You know, so it's like it's like um, extrovert and introvert. Secret type history of, of how. Yeah, right, you know, right, right, right. So bit. my question is. There's a point, like, because as, as a writer, right, it's like when you write, when you start to write all the words, and you know what I mean, like when you, when you start to make all the songs, yeah, you reach a point where, like, stuff fits in yeah, just because you have all of the, the tools available playing your head at the same time. So, like, when you get, like, an idea, so, like, like the, the Trump thing has affected me. Yeah, yeah. As definitely. a writer this year, yeah. because it's like... Mm. It's like, I always say, he's like a non-moving target. Yeah. So, like, anything that you throw at the, at the wall, like, it's like, yeah. I always call it like the, like, 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 like the concrete wall. It doesn't move. It's right there. And I can throw anything at it, and it bounces back. And it comes right back at me. And I'm like, oh, good. Let's, let's, let's back up and get a little specific, though, because we talked about uh, this when we talked about your album. And this, I think this is where you're yeah, going yeah. and stuff. And we talked about how um, when... Uh, over the course of this year, and this is intentional on Dowling's part, and for whatever reason it works, this is why you and Black Milk were down here. Yeah, uh, yeah, this yeah. is why Odyssey has been down here, a lot of people and stuff. It's like, it's why I'm really good friends with Marcus Moore now. Yeah. Uh, because there was this black journalist enclave in D.C. Still exists. It still exists. That is all this. <laughs> uh, Julian Kimball, uh, Godfrey, Brianna Younger, Moore has abandoned us, and we'll never forgive him for it. <laughs> oh. But. but 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 they Without all the mercy because it too. mercy yeah, yeah. Everybody and, 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 but they yeah. they all came over this was like completely unplanned because we didn't know what was nobody had any idea of knowing what was going to happen yeah. but we knew talking about it going up leading up to the actual election you could see a wave of uh, more antagonizing racism if that's even possible right. yeah rising up that we had that we had maybe forgotten about or. We just ignored. He just, he just um, he did the reverse of what Obama did. Yeah, yeah, he did the reverse. You know so, so when I woke up and when they got over here, uh, the question was after talking for a while was, how can, like, how can I help protect you guys? How can, like, because growing up in the South, like a lot of people have an abstract conce- concept of lynching. Yeah, I live in Lynchburg. Sure. Right, <laughs> so, right. Uh, so there's it's, nothing. It's there's overt. nothing abstract about yeah. it. When you when you grow up with people, 
teenagers in my high school who would gladly go out right. and hang a black person from a tree. And that's in the 80s. Yeah. You know, it's a very real thing that is hard to conceptualize. It's hard for – and I think that's one of the biggest problems with all of this right now is because it's so hard to conceptualize that specific type of violence against a person. And yeah. with all that in mind – so and then we talked about that. Yeah. What was your reaction to seeing the results come in and waking up the next morning and being like, fuck? I woke up like I knew it. Did you? Yep. I knew. I knew. I remember my sister being mad. And I was. I remember telling her, like, he's going to win. I knew he was going to win when he beat everybody in the Republican Party. I was like, yeah. man, this is like watching WWE. Right. Like right, the shock value. Except way less you know? cool. Yeah. yeah. That's exactly. way less cool. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. But that's what it was. It was like he's just body slamming people and doing like yeah. crazy the things that you would never right. seen. Yeah. And it just, you know, people always think they want something new until they get it. You know? Yeah. And so, like. I think it was that it was new. It's that. No, what I'm Trump saying. is old in a way that, like, people were comfortable he just he 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 shook up rural rural America, you yeah. know what I'm saying, and they mm-hmm. felt forgotten, right? And that and that is that's just all it is. And unfortunately, they think they're better than people that look like Barack Obama. Yeah, mm-hmm. and that's what he cooked up, and that's what happened. I mean, this guy said that Barack Obama wasn't from our country. That's, right? that's how he came that's in the game. Crazy. Yeah, right. He's from Kenya. Yeah, yeah that's, that's how he came that's in how the game. He entered right. Right. And you know, which is the easiest and grossest like delegitimization of somebody like the, the way to absolutely. do it. It's like, hey, you know, you, I want to fuck you up, so I'm going to say, not only look, people don't like you because you're black, but yeah. also you're you're not even American. You're not patriotic. You might yeah. be a terrorist. You're an African. Yeah. Because at that yeah. point, if you're in, if you were in this, well, if you're in D.C., you understand. We yeah. all know people who work yeah, on the, sure. in the government. One of my friends, one of our friends, wrote the 9/11 Commission. Mm-hmm. He was. Uh, Obama's speechwriter. Right. So we these are good people doing fantastic work, trying to keep everybody safe a- and doing it the right way. Yeah. But if you go out, even just even in Alexandria, even a little further down to Charlottesville, yeah. uh, you see uh, people who don't understand that because partially because the industry is different down there. If you have worked at a Walmart your entire life, there's no reason you should understand how policy works. But right. but. Uh, you you don't is the problem. Yeah, right. <laughs> like, no you, you don't want, yeah. you don't bother to figure it out. And so when this guy comes along and does something like that, it's like, yeah, because the only thing I know is that shit's un-American. Right. It, it doesn't su- surprise me though. Okay. Like it's um, man, it's there's so much to talk about. Yeah. I, yeah. Well, that's, that's I don't even know. Yeah, I don't right. even know where yeah. to start. So I'm glad what I, well, what the, I, the reason, yeah, the reason I wanted to start with that to see okay. where you were from, because what you, you have crafted here is, uh, in my mind, one of the great like handbooks, one of the like totems, one of the mileposts in not just like civil rights activism, but just humans trying to get better in 2017. Yeah, we're, we're kind of fucked. And and it's our, and it's our own fault. Look, and yeah. and we hold out. Uh, you know, I've had. If you had talked to me while this basement was destroyed, yeah. it's a very very different 
despondent person. I hear you. And, hear and because you. this was all I had, but it got me out in the world to start Wait. thinking about it in different things. And that's what I said to you that I said, you know, I put on your album every day and it that keeps me like focused right. and keep me centered because I know despite this anchor being gone, I can keep going. And if you don't have an anchor like that, yeah. then people just were falling off by the wayside. But isn't like destruction a beautiful thing? It is. It absolutely is. It always it's has like, been. It's, it's, a, it's an amazing thing. I had, a, I had a tumor removed from my heart and that Word. changed my life forever. Yeah, man, I had deep vein thrombosis, man. Yeah, and it, it um, exactly. It just it. You can ask my sister, who we we have a house together, east of the river, mm-hmm. and um, it's night and day, man. Like the person I was before that happened, yep, and the person I was after I came out of the hospital, and I uh, was on Coumadin, and I actually um, at the time I had a vocal polyp, I couldn't sing for like eighteen months. Good grief. It was like, man. Didn't know if is, you were going to sing again. Didn't know if I was yeah. going to sing again. Yeah, and, um, you know, destruction is a beautiful thing. That's all I can say. It can say. be. Like, it, it, yeah, you, it absolutely can be. You know, there is, um, it, it, you, it's how you embrace it. Yes. You know? So, yes. I mean, I was in this basement last year. I think that it looks better now. <laughs> Thanks. Seriously. <laughs> yeah, it does. Like, it, does. it, it has, uh, you know. It's just got a It's always had a good feel. energy, but now it's like yeah. It's, like I, as soon as I get this piano tuned up, we'll be doing a lot. I like better. I like what you did with this. Um, it's just um, a lot of this stuff. I think a lot of this album came from a place. I was in a place of despair, and a lot. Of, I paid attention to a lot of things that were happening during the election. Some of the things that were in our group chat. So we got like a um, we have a yeah. group chat with all of our guys from college, just like twenty one people in there. Right. And I remember. After the election, a lot of, I won't say a lot, but there were some people in the group that spoke on how, you know, people didn't get out and vote and why didn't you vote and why this and why that, you know, and I had to really explain to one of them, like, man, I live on like Minnesota Ave in Benning and nobody down there voting because they don't change nothing for nobody. But Rock being in office, Trump being in office, whether Hillary got in. That has changed nothing in that neighborhood at all, you know? So you even, I know this sounds so crazy, but like you have to even check your privilege just as a middle class citizen. Uh, yeah, I, what, I, I, I completely It ain't got to do with being black. It don't have to do with being white. Any Any minority in this country, it doesn't matter. Like check your, your class. Like, if you're in the middle class, if you went to college and you're educated mm-hmm. on, hey, you know, go and vote. And most of us only vote for the president. We don't vote in Correct. mid-elections and all no you know, the midterm yeah. elections. Yeah. yeah. You don't vote when it's time for voting for the mayor. Or, and yeah, all that. You know. Right. Yeah. Marion Barry's so, gone, so D.C. people aren't going to come out. Yeah. So it, it just, it, <laughs> right. it comes, I was just trying to tell them, like, yo, man, you got to really, don't. You're we, speaking from a place, a place of privilege. There you go. Yeah. Was we, trying we, to explain, yeah. like, hey man, the condemnation of people who are like, which you know, is a little bit apathetic about it. It can come from that place of like, you're middle class. You really don't know what it is to be in a situation where you don't have access to anything. Right. Right. And you don't really. know who's going to give it to you. And, but the thing is, even if you do have some experience with that, you always. There's always going to be something below that. Right. The idea yeah. of uh, the idea Absolutely. of always reach down and don't reach up is is go. what we're rooted in, and and that is and we just came to that by doing stuff because what we saw is 
Uh, like you're a hustler, Marcus. Of course, <laughs> and, of course, and you're good yeah. at it, man. I do but, stuff. But but he, you know he succeeds by doing exactly that. Right. You know he he can get in there and hustle with the best of them, but he also understands there are people that need help, and he goes out and helps them. And right. You know the thing with the privilege is, uh, you know, we're doing a conversation on sexism in music spaces, Ooh. which you guys are welcome to ha- come hang out Ooh. on Saturday. It's yeah. gonna be it's gonna be heavy. Word. Um, but uh, but the the thing is figuring out, uh, to put it in uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer terms, like the big bad. <laughs> right. And, and we, You're in my wheelhouse now. Yeah, so okay, let's, good, good. Okay, yeah, let's okay. go. We, we, we're let's good. Go. Let's go. Right. So, so it, you know, if, if we know all these problems and we know if you as a religious man, Ab, are, yeah. are like everybody is a sinner, Oh yeah, yeah, right. Definitely. So, so, so if you're coming from that, and that's ingrained in people and stuff, so we know that 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 acknowledges sin exists and stuff. But we can't figure out. Like, we start talking about racism, and then all of a sudden we talk about like, no, like you were saying, the privilege. Mm-hmm. Oh well, you middle class black people, mm-hmm. you you got it okay. You don't understand us lower class. And then you have some like white hillbilly in a trailer park in West Virginia, like, no, you guys don't understand. Right. And and it's it's all these things adding up to like. Everybody is disadvantaged mm-hmm. because we can't do the things that we need to do to get together. And how I think that's the disadvantage. Yeah, and that's the disadvantage. Yeah. And, and how I think this album plays into this, and 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 your work in general is very specifically. It, Generation is a. Uh, we said this on the review is a sort of the fulcrum point. Mm-hmm. It's like, are we going to fight for it or not? Yeah. Everything else is ta- is simply just talking about the world and giving like lessons about the world and not judging. Yeah, there, there and, can and be saying, any judgment. I, Eduardo said something yesterday when we were talking about this, and he, uh, w- when I gave him the album, his mi- his mind, you could see his head just go. Oh, that was the best. That was the, <laughs> really? Of all the people I've seen listen wow. yeah. uh, to the record on like the first go round, that was one of the funniest mm-hmm. ones when he was just like, because I remember we were sitting upstairs and he was yeah. just like, yeah, yeah. Casey Ray, same thing. Yeah, we yeah. finished up a thing, and he was just like, "Oh, well." Uh, I'm... Because Casey asked to listen to it. That was the funny part because we had been talking about it so much. Yeah, yeah. and Casey's like, "We have to play the Ab record." Yep. And then he, he, he sat there and he's like, "That that album is it's interesting. It's um, like I said, I I remember when okay." Let's just start talking about some behind the scenes. Yes. Stuff. Yeah. Yes. All right. So, if we want to start talking about this album, I have to start with being in London in December with my friend Nicole Clark. And I remember she was working on this project called I Find It Amazing. I Find It Incredible, I'm sorry. Um, and that's what um, Angela Davis says in. You know, the soundbite from Children of the City, which is, you know, from the documentary, you know. That's why I find it incredible, you know. Right. And um, she was using it on the basis of black women being incredible. Mm -hmm. You know, I find find it incredible. I find us incredible. You know what I'm saying? Right. And I remember her playing, and I was like, play me that full clip. And I remember sitting there in London, like, watching at Islington and Highbury at her spot, like watching this clip. And I don't know what it was. I was like, take a mental note of that. I don't know why I was like, man, that clip right there, you know? And so then I remember, um, seeing the Nina Simone clip on Facebook 
the same, the one that's in Children of the City as well, you know. I'll do it by any means necessary, you know. Educating our people by any means necessary, right? And so, um, I remember I started working on this song called Children of the City. And I had that instrumental. I had that instrument. I made that instrumental in like 2012. Like just the skeleton of it, you know. And it was called Children of the City in 2012 when I made the instrumental. Amazing. Because it sounded like. To me, it sounded like Cleveland. It sounded mm-hmm. like the city I grew up in. Right. It sounded like going down to Fairfax or East 40th and Woodland where my church is at. And so um, I was like, this is perfect. Like, I don't know why those clips worked for me. Right. So this was like the first song that I was putting together. And I remember like all, all words come to me in the shower. And so like I'm racing out of the shower to like record the soundbite into my phone. And then I remember laying it. And it was the first song I laid, and I sent it to Chris, and I sent it to my man, too. And they both was like, this is crazy. <laughs> and then, two was like, just turn up the vocal on Angela Davis at the beginning so we can hear what little, she's saying. We got to hear Remember that on the, up, on the email on the thread. thread? Like, we just got to like, hear right, what cool. she's saying a little bit clearer yeah. to lead into yep. what you're saying. Yep. And I was like, all right, cool. And so, to me, this is a Lucy, right? Yeah. Then... I went to the grocery store in my hood, the Safeway, on um, 40th. Mm-hmm. And I know it well. Yeah. Everybody in the room got got. No, it's like, it's like, no, no shouts out to that Safeway on 40th. No, there's like. Go ahead, Mike. I'm like, gonna let you speak because I'm gonna like, take the that, shouts back. Like, okay, so like to me, one of the key parts of of the record that's great is that you put in stuff. In places where things are without. Right. So like living where you live. Yeah. There's so many things. Okay. So like I, I grew up over there. Word. Okay. So like there are things that were there that are now just not there. Yeah. Like operational grocery stores. You know, yeah. like they don't exist east of the river for the most part. Right. They just don't. And they did. And it's like you and it's like when you go over there. And like I said, I listened to your record when I was coming. I was over by the big chair. And I Word. came down Minnesota. Yeah. And I was like, yeah. Like, and I was looking around and I'm like, wait, there's all this stuff that, and it wasn't that the stuff was great. Yeah. By any stretch, it was functional. Right. Yeah. Like, it's like, okay, the grocery store, the giant that was on Minnesota Avenue was functional. Right. Yeah. The, the clothing stores that were on Minnesota were, were, were functional. Yeah. They weren't like incredible. It wasn't like you were looking at like, you know, like $150 suits or whatever, right. you know, yeah. it's like, okay, if you need this, you go here, you get it. Keep it moving. Yep. And all of the stuff that's like gone and then to hear something like this puts it together because the music is so good. And then like the the things that you're saying are so powerful yeah. that you're like in in the black community, I think this stretches across the country, not just DC, yeah, but everywhere. Just, you could you could ride around there and it fills the holes. Because yeah. the holes are real. I think that's the thing, like just riding around like after I finished it, riding around my neighborhood, listening to it, I was just like, man, this is, this is it. This is our soundtrack. This right. is it, yeah. you know? And I so like, that, uh, when you sent it to me initially, one of the things that I said is that this is, this is every hood. 
You know what I mean? Like I know that you you said it like yeah. this is Cleveland, yeah. But I'm from New Orleans, DC, man. So like, yeah. okay, we yeah. know about this gentrification, especially post Katrina. You know what I'm saying? So like, all of that spoke to me in a very specific way, right. right? That I knew would resonate with a lot more people when I heard it. Well, I mean, it, it also it, it taps into a classic sound. Like you 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 traffic in R and B and soul. Yeah, uh, I know some people that have heard that they're like, sounds like I want to make some babies, and you know, to whatever <laughs> yeah. whatever that is, you that know. Was, but that was interesting. Yeah, and, yeah but right. but that but right. that can that can actually be a thing, you know. People get to interpret it as they want, right? But uh, if you pay attention to it, I think you're right. That is every hood, not any hood that I ever lived in. To be clear, right? Um, um, because that's not. I mean, I'm a middle aged white dude. That's not my experience, right? Um, but I got to see that music and experience it externally. I got to watch like black exploitation films. Right, right. I got to grow up going to see like Malcolm X in the theaters, seeing yeah. seeing the ascension of Spike Lee. Right. So it was auxiliary, but it still it doesn't count. I know what you mean. You know what I mean. I do, but even the fact that you're open to see it and exactly and right. and try to understand it—that's a great step. You know what I'm saying? Well, that's part of the dialogue. Yeah, I mean that's. I think that's the point. So I'll go back to like the going to the Safeway was mm-hmm. like the next move because I like to go and eat healthy. I'm gonna. I'm oh. Mm-hmm. Tell this Whole Foods story after this. Oh segment. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I made a mental so, note to remind him to tell the Whole, whole Foods story. story. Okay, so, um, so good. So I go to the Safeway, mm-hmm. and um, it's just rotten produce, man. Like, no, like in real you know, life, like, like straight like, up. Like you go in I don't, there. We have the Yes Mart up here, I, which I, is I, the same. I'm trying to get some salad, you know, a bag salad. You know, I'm trying to get some ginger. Trying to get some, like cilantro. Like the stuff that you're like naming just, is also so basic. Like, like it's, yeah, it's yeah. nothing and extravagant. It, you're not yeah. looking for prime cuts of meat. You know, no, like you're just, just looking for basic stuff. Rotten you know? produce. How how do you have a bag of salad where you see it? It's rotting. Right. Right. This would never fly on the other side of the river. Yeah, it absolutely would never would fly. Would have, yeah. So why is this happening where I live? Where People can't even get to the other side. They can't right. afford to get to the other side, and they can't. They don't want to get on a bus and do it because they. I mean, it's too many groceries to carry. You want to be able to go down the street, get your groceries, and leave. Too many groceries, and if you don't have money for bus fare, yeah, some people can't even get out of the you know out of the neighborhood. I mean, that's, we were riding sorry over here, listeners. That's a real thing. Right, <laughs> real. right we real. was riding over here, and um, you know. You hit Minnesota and Benning Ave. You go over the bridge, Pepco on the right, and if you keep going down right before you get to Seventeenth, um, because we made it right on Seventeenth to get here, you see like Carver Terrace is in the back, which is like the projects back there. Mm-hmm. But then there are these row houses that are like kind. Of, they might as well be Carver Terrace. They're right in front of them. That sit right on Minnesota, um, not Minnesota, on Benning Ave. Right before you get to Heckinger Mall. Yeah, mm-hmm. my aunt lived over there. There you go. These people in these row houses, literally 8th Street is like, what, a 10-minute walk? 10-minute walk. They yeah, don't even know. go over there. I know. Yeah. They don't. Like, it's not even in their mind, like, let me walk over to Sticky Rice. Right. right. That's like buppy, yuppie type yeah. stuff. Well, like, it is. Any, it they're is. Not, so, they're not even thinking. It's got a streetcar. Come yeah. on. The, the, the funny part is that the, li- <laughs> the, li- the line, the line is, the, is, is, the lodge, is, is Red Rocks. Yeah. 
The line is Red Rocks. And it's funny because if you look at the way that, like, the community is set mm-hmm. now, mm-hmm. everything from Red Rocks is, and back is almost explicitly marketed towards the African-American community. I never... Hey. I, I hear you on that. They got them little... They got that Deja Vu club. Yeah, I think yeah, it's called Deja Vu. I haven't been down there in a while, but I, yeah. you're, that's actually right. That's, <laughs> they got, like, a sports club on the that other side of... Uh, 14th they yeah. got tony's restaurant exactly. on both. yeah it still got that right yes and then interesting you go dynamic urban with right. the quotes and around then you go past <laughs> red rocks and it's like and it's like the and pizza's right there and then like yeah. the the sailor the falafel Cosma, joint, and then yeah. you keep going and it's yeah. like and it gets and it's funny now that you have the apollo at the end of it it gets more and more and more and more opulent as you go down the block it's fascinating because you go from like the 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 carry out yep. to like Nando's yeah it's the truth yep. you're just to like Starbucks to Whole Foods yeah. right. to a for, functioning giant and 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 for people who, who yeah, that's not, that that giant is out of control for, for people who like the the picture we're painting of DC I mean you have to understand we've said this a lot on these mics you have to understand the thing about DC yes it is the seat of power uh, it wasn't called Chocolate City for nothing you can't call it Chocolate City anymore. It is literally you it, can't. It, it, the, 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 how, that Howard still even exists in the city is kind of amazing. I was thinking about this the other day. That's kind of amazing to me, right? Because you would think that somebody would like Douglas Development would come through and been like, "They tried, yeah." See, <laughs> this is what I'm saying. Some dumb motherfucker it tried. Did not work. Right. <laughs> and 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 you know, uh, but like I've said, also like this is kind of like every city. It's yeah. 60 square miles. This, oh. is, this is a small, small yeah. place. Yeah. So it's a microcosm of all these cities. Obviously, if you go into the south, you're going to run into, and like I just thought about this the other day, our entire front office is white and generally white males. And like the entire manufacturing staff in the back is black. Yeah. And it's like, well, and that's, that's just in southern Maryland. That's in Waldorf. And it's, it's, this is this is what exists. Look, man. I realize I, I even me like mm-hmm. I learned stuff from the album. So yeah, when I say like I kind of I don't know where it's coming from. I do understand that I'm just the vessel for a message that God put inside of me. Mm-hmm. And so when all of this was coming together, I think like the order I. I don't remember it specifically because it was like six weeks of just stuff was just coming. You know, I I can't explain it to you. Like I would like, I would just come out the shower and be like grabbing my phone and like Mm -hmm. then going downstairs the next day and recording. And like I had my world tour in my room at the time. So I was kind of just playing, you know, just playing stuff out in my room. Like, man, that's, that's going to work. And then I would like end up, I was only listening to three albums at the time. Curtis Mayfield's Curtis album, his first solo album. Sure. Um, I was listening to Marvin Gaye, What's Going On, mm-hmm. and Sly's rebuttal to it, There's a Riot Going On. Yep. And so um, those albums have like this um, this aura to them. Yes. Like it has these these themes and, and these, it's the voices to me that makes those albums, especially What's Going On. It's that that choral effect that he has going on that has like this this feeling to it well which he did by and it's something that you're really good at and whether or not like 
you do it consciously or not. Like part of the point of what's going on, and I'm sure you know this, was this was an interior dialogue. This is what was going on in his head. So he'd have one voice singing over here, and then he'd have another version of him. Yeah. Like literally in character. Yeah. And he'd alter the timber of himself like just slightly so it sounded like the same person but a little different. And he played all these yeah. characters throughout the album to play off all his experiences until you get to Inner City Blues and then he's like kicking down the door and going, Look, motherfuckers, this is, this is yeah. come on, man. <laughs> come on. That's the same thing, like uh Spanky, who's my drummer, mm-hmm. him and John, John's a guitar player. I remember when I played them in my am I good enough to love for the first time. And they were like, who is the girl singing on there with you? And I was like, that's me. Yeah. Like, there is no, that's me. Yeah. <laughs> you know? But there is, um, they had, to me, the pen is Curtis, but the singing is Sly and Marvin. Mm-hmm. That's what I was paying attention to. Like, daily prayer is like Sly. Like, that's what it is. The, Ooh la 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 is actually the horn line on um on love and hate, mm-hmm. you know, and he takes it to another place. But like, I just like the beginning, the way that love and hate opens up. So it like that hit my ear a certain way, and like the way that they used to do backgrounds, there's like this grit that's mm-hmm. in it. So like, I feel like. Daily prayer is special because it's like going before God. Right. Like there is a, um, in the book of Isaiah, uh, in the Bible, he talks about like going before God and like how seraphim right. like cleans his mouth with coal and God's like, who will go forward for me and tell my people, blah, blah, blah. Right. right. And Isaiah is like, I will. So like, that's what daily prayer is. But like, it's like being, it's like being in heaven. And then at the end of it, it's like, there, there's so many things that are like that counter each other. Like, how can I have so much courage in the in the first verse, and then have to say in the second verse all the things you've done, and I need you to do it for mm-hmm. me? So the second verse is like this place where I'm just like, hey, you did all of this these things for these prophets. Now I'm asking you to do it for me because I'm going to get kicked out of heaven, and I got to go talk to these children in the city. Right. And like when you get to right. the next part, it's like, how can you be up so high? to go represent a people like it's it's exhausting yeah it is and but and i think it it uh from knowing you uh a little bit like it it exemplifies though your worldview pretty well but think about think about this you know you you just were talking about curtis and you love all this stuff you know part of prayer and part of everything is mantra and so if you position uh not necessarily as a religion but as a certainly a spiritual thing music and stuff yeah you doing that every morning is exactly just that yeah. it's waking up in the morning and being like i i pick these notes i pick these words i pick this ritual out yeah. from something somewhere whatever it means to me it could mean you could like record somebody farting into your iphone and play <laughs> and, and, but and that's what centers you like whatever yeah. works yeah, yeah gets yeah. it going in your case you took curtis yeah. and you put it in front of this the beginning of what is your statement to try to like get into uh, their uh, lexicon, really. What's fascinating to me, and and we were saying that we wanted to ask you about where all these quotes came from. Okay. But is that 
you can look at this album. You can you can take this album as just pure like soul pop. Like I mean, like, listen to it because it's it's great music. Period. Appreciate it. You can look at it deeper or anything, and then or you can look at it like we hid for two hours <laughs> and try <laughs> and, and really think about the things it inspires. And and in that though, you're taking a journey that isn't uh, for for like pop culture terms is almost like Forrest Gump or Zelig. It's like you by using these quotes and 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 using these musical quotes, you've positioned yourself in between all these artists and in between all these points in history. Mm. You know that's all. Human human actions matter. Like is is if you if I could play it for somebody and they're um, they're like who's that? I'm like Marvin Gaye. Yeah, and if they didn't know, they wouldn't. And right. it's not that you sound like Marvin Gaye; it's the vibe. And granted, mm. I've been able to spend you know thirty five years with Marvin Gaye. Yeah, listen to yeah. it. So you know that. Which what's going on is his best album. Yeah, I agree. I used to I used to say I want you is until I grew up. Yeah, and um, you know it's um. Would you call I want you, darling, pervy? Oh, oh, after the dance is <laughs> After the dance is, is up there. It's, it's, it's in the top five. What's the song before After the Dance? Why can't I think of it? When he says he's going to give the girl some head. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That was that was that was that was cocaine, Marvin. We, we yeah, have man, I like him. coked out Marvin. Coked I mean, out Marvin. We have to I like coked out like... Marvin and coked out Sly. Coked out Sly. Is coked my out Sly. That's like a... hearing Darling Nikki when you're 11. You're like, what? <clears throat> excuse me. <laughs> yeah. So I wanted, what, what? Ask, I wanted to ask you a question because oh, okay. it's it's it ties into what we were talking about. Um, there's a thing that I've been thinking about a lot this year, like the power of black voices. Okay. Just melodic voices because you mentioned Nina Simone. Yeah. You mentioned <laughs> Angela Davis. Yeah. Last Stone, Marvin Gaye. These are all people who spoke just in their voice with these inflections yeah. that are crazy. Right. That if you listen to Angela Davis, like I like, <laughs> so there young there there are young white people that I know in the world mm-hmm. where I will introduce them to like. I mean, this has been a year for me where I've introduced people to Nina Simone and Angela Davis a lot. Okay. Because Nina Simone is that documentary that's on Netflix. Right, right, right. Everybody and should then, watch. Yeah, and then like. I randomly had a friend of mine discover Black Power mixtape. Yeah. So like they all like listen and they're like, "How do black people speak like this?" Mm. And then I'm like, "Well, what do you mean?" It's like, "Well, it's not a black cadence." I'm like, "But that's the most amazing part of it is that these are educated people who were educated to speak a certain way. Like phonetics and enunciation are super important." Okay, so black voices. Right, because I want to ask about that because I feel like there's so much in the melody and the creation of the melody that comes from the voice in what you do. Especially, oh, yeah. Especially here. This is, okay, so this is interesting. So um, this record was a little different because I feel like spirituality is hung up on voice right. and not on instrument. So... Okay. I want you to think about like all of the spiritual records and how much space they have. Right. Think about like all the Stevie Wonder records. Like, let's think about fulfilling his first finale. Okay. Um, I don't. Everything on there is very melodic and spaced out. The drums aren't too heavy. It's just like when you think about like heaven uh, is ten zillion light years away. It's like really. It feels like you're like in heaven when you're yeah, it's listening. It's like pastoral. To it. Yeah, almost, like it just yeah. has a a vibe and like 
DeMarvin, what's going on? Like, when you're in the spirit, like, there's all of these, the voice is what's out front, you know? Right. So, I think, like, with this album, it's funny, on Daily Prayer, I have a video in my phone of me playing the chords that I'm singing. Because at first, I was supposed to be playing them. And then something told me, like, no, you should sing them. Right. You know? Like, and so... I was the ooh la la la. I was gonna have a horn mm-hmm. player play it, so I was just laying references. Yeah, and then I was like, no, this sounds better with just the vocal, you right. know. Um, doing restrictions, it's the same thing. Same thing on Children of the City. Like, if you just listen to like how all of these voices are like carrying these songs, Generation, like Fish Jubilee singers. Yeah, you know. Um, Am I good enough to love Sly? Yeah, yeah. All of that stuff is just. It's layers to it. Um, human action matters, like Gregorian chant. Right. You know? Um, nowadays, just Marvin Gaye doo-wop. Funny, you know? First time you were over here, we were upstairs talking. and uh, Not first time, when, when you and I talked. Mm-hmm. And we were talking about video games. Yeah. And we were talking about Halo. Gregorian chant. And, and we were talking about <laughs> Gregorian chant. And yep. you were talking about, he might have been talking about you, Chris. He was like, nah. these dudes kept playing Halo in my dorm room. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah I'm going to let him talk about that. Listen, Go ahead. Those, those were kind of like, that was the genesis of a lot of things, man. Uh, aside from just our friendship and our, like our crew's friendship. Of right. Just like System Link Halo matches. Also, him like with the makeshift uh, like mic in the closet with the sock on the mic for mm-hmm. the filter. And making incredible shit that even then we were like, oh wow, like you're really talented, dude. You know what I'm saying? Like you're this is probably what you're going to be doing Pro- for your props life. to the sock and the filter. That our fourth episode ever, I was like, we got to do something about these pops. I put a sock on my thing, and Damn. and Ooh. and people made fun of it. So in the middle of the episode, you can hear it pull it off, and it's the <laughs> grossest sound I've ever heard in my life. Look, man, the sock on the filter is a real thing. I got through my whole first like album fresh out yep. of college with the sock on the filter. Yep. That's just what it was. But these guys used to stay playing Halo yeah. while I was recording. <laughs> yeah. But they used to laugh when I would tell them, like, yo, that's a Gregorian chant at the top of that joint. And that joint is dope. Like, it was it was a... I was like, who made full, this? Full circle. He came back yeah, around. Like, and he's like, oh, man, you threw the Gregorian so chant. You I finally was, got around yeah, to put the Gregorian like, chant yo, in there, right? Yeah. Human, human action matters. It's Gregorian chant. Like, it's just like... I'll, I'm going to come back to that. But, um... Forecast has that that um, fulfilling this first finale yeah. type of vibe, and then you you end on Gregorian chant with right. uh, villain and me. Yeah. Like it's the same thing, like singing in octaves. And God bless my sister because she'd be upstairs watching TV, and I come upstairs sometimes, and she'd be like, "What are you doing?" Down there? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Right. And so, what are you doing? Just constantly just laying like, down. Oh. I mean, just imagine me in the basement. Wow. Oh. <laughs> like it's just like right. Yo, what are you? Stop. Yeah. What are you doing? Yeah. You know? Because it's it's. I think that like it's it's strange. Like right now in pop music, like there's so much like African American music that is part of like the cultural lexicon of like pop yeah. culture worldwide. Yeah. And it's funny because I feel like there's like one black voice. Yeah. Like and it's it's traditionally southern, and it may be affected by some kind of like electronic effect, but it's one black voice. That's right. because of restrictions, though. Right. And and it's intriguing that you have like a million voices all over this record and some of them being 
affected black voices without any sort of electronics. Yeah. But yeah. like that clipped thing that Angela Davis does because she is Angela Davis yes, and yes, must yes, speak yes, this yeah, way. Yeah, yeah. And then Nina Simone who speaks yeah. in, you know, like yeah. giant tumbles of words. Right. It's like it's, and it's it's cool. It's like a real like fascinating people, thing that black people yeah. do. Yeah. yeah. And that yeah. other a lot of other like, cultures where? of people don't <clears throat> do. Yeah. And where, where does that, and this is something I should know, but where, I mean, and I know the church, but do we know where exactly that comes from? If you listen to you. Okay. I'll tell you exactly where it comes from because people make fun of me for it still to this day. Like, I, it's like literally like you're, I think you're the only white person in my entire like universe uh-huh. that doesn't make fun of the way I say certain words because when, <laughs> and, face. Oh, um, but so all of us, I think went to elementary school at some point in like the eighties or early nineties. Mm-hmm. And there was a huge thing with the teaching of phonetics mm-hmm. right. in elementary school, elementary school, even where elementary. when you learn how to speak, Phonics are so important. So you learn consonant and vowel sounds gotcha. like specifically. And there's a thing in that because especially if you had black teachers, like I had mm-hmm. a black teacher, second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth grade. Like I went to DC public schools and I went to Bunker Hill, which is like right around the corner from here. And they were big on making sure that all of us sounded intelligent. Even if we were not intelligent, mm-hmm. we at least knew what and we at least knew what we were saying right. and how to say it properly can you talk about you have to talk about um how black people were looked at in this country well yeah, yeah. That, that's if sort of, that's like, sort of and, and i understand from that point like yeah. where where it goes and, and why and yeah. it is it, it was a status thing it yeah. was it was basically that you have a white controlled society and be like, Oh, well this, we have to work twice as hard and we have to yeah. get here and we have to speak this perfect English and stuff. Yeah. And I mean, if you listen to something like Tanisha Coates yeah, speak yeah, now, yeah. it's yeah. very much that. Yeah. Uh, and even they've got somebody else reading his book and he's, he's emulating Coates, emulating other people at times. And it's just like, it's like, okay. Yeah. Right. And, and he could be the dumbest motherfucker on the planet, but I hear that voice and I'm like, that guy probably knows some shit. Yeah, it, it's interesting how, man, that's complex in itself. It is complex, like, yeah. I, I feel like, you know, <clears throat> the, man, I'm, I'm in I'm in a weird space. I will say, like, that I'm, I've learned, like, from making this album, that's why I say I'm still learning from the album. Right, yeah. Because it, like, I feel like it came through me. Um, I'm just in a weird space. I'm in a weird space because of where I live at what what privilege i've had mm-hmm. and really i think the deeper i i go into spirituality and understanding what it really means to be a christian right um it changes the way that i look at things there will always be a talented tenth right all right so like the angela davises and the nina simones mm-hmm. um the Marcus Dowlings. Uh, no, no, I'm serious. Like, you. you know, the there are always going to be the talented tents and the people that go forward and push the culture. But there are all there are also people like Paul in the Bible who like right. killed Christians. Yeah. Like killed them. Right, no, like, I know. Like, like, I guess legit was like <laughs> Man, this dude was like getting it cracking. They're like, How how is this man preaching now? Right. Like right. you were coming to church and they'd be like, We out. Like, we gotta get out of here. You know what I'm saying? I'm <laughs> like we gotta go. Like this, 
y'all about to let this guy get in the pulpit? Yeah, I got a you thing know. to do uh, up at the. Uh... But, so it's, <laughs> it's funny you say that because it's 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 a it's a it's influence for me with some of the stuff that I do, and I'll I'll give out one of my secrets in, yeah. on, on the microphone. So I don't know like where it's going or who will hear this, but it's kind of what I do. Um, I try to bring people into communal spaces mm-hmm. that should not be there. Right. Like almost specifically. Yeah. And there are people that I can communicate with and people that like I know and yeah. people that I'm like very aware of their humanity and what the worth they bring to the table. But historically, for whatever reason, you know, whether it's, you know, appearance, race, class, access to, you know, like upper class culture, mm-hmm. don't get the opportunity. Yeah. So I try to bring these people in because yeah. I know if you listen to me, like, okay, and if I'm telling you, if I co-sign whomever, it's like, okay, yeah, yeah well, we have to listen. And, and, and then when they open their mouths and it's like the words come out, it's like, wow, okay, so I, I get it. Like, that. there's worth in what is being said, and I, I never knew that that was those impossible. Those walls right. have to be broken down. They that's do, and that's I'm the saying. point of the album. Yeah, yeah like, no, I'm saying, that's, like, that's creating a dialogue. Exactly. That, yeah. when, you, when you put some, I mean, look, it doesn't always work. And if, if where we're at now in America, it, it doesn't work most of the time. But if it can work once, yeah, I mean, that's the thing. You have to, like, the reason I brought up Paul, like, there have to, there has to be people like him who are going to go out and talk to the people mm-hmm. that the talented 10th won't talk to mm-hmm. or they get frustrated talking to. Yeah. And I can understand the frustration in talking to them. I mean, it's kind of circles back to what you were talking about in the group chat. Exactly. Polling, you know but but like, it's like, hey, I'm from those types of neighborhoods. So number one, I'm from Cleveland. Right. I grew, I was born in Cleveland I grew up in Shaker. Well, let me say I lived in Shaker, but I grew up in Cleveland. Like a lot of a lot of the times people don't understand the dynamic of living in the 90s and living in suburbs in the 90s. So let me break this down since we're talking about restrictions and mm-hmm. album. All right. I was born in Cleveland. I used to live on Dale Ray in the Lee and Harvard neighborhood. I moved to Shaker when I was five. My parents were smart. They were like, hey, we want our children to be able to get an education to get ahead in life. So they moved us to Shaker. Um, the thing about Shaker at the time was it's a white Jewish community, but it's, the school district is like 50-50, 50% white, Jewish, 50% black. Great school district. Problem is, on the weekends... I'm not going out to play with white kids. You feel what I'm saying? Right. My cousins live down the way. Guess where I'm going? Down the way. So there's two sides to it. You go down the way, you got to use your old address. You got to use your Cleveland address. Because if you use your shaker address, they're going to think some certain way about you. Mm -hmm. And it's going to be a problem. You're going to fight. Right. Use your Cleveland address because... In the hood, they don't like privileged, with quotes, black people. Right. You live in the suburbs. You don't know nothing about this. But in the suburbs, they don't like privileged black people. Right. Right. (laughs) You're black. We're white. What are you doing here? You don't belong. So you're like, 
fitting in between two worlds, you're restricted in both of them. Yeah. You feel what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But what you learn is we're all the same, you know? Yeah. Like, if you get to know me, we're all the same. But I understand both sides of the coin. Mm-hmm. You feel what I'm saying? So just going full circle, I can understand someone who's in the talented 10th that doesn't understand that side of the coin. Right, right. That wouldn't live in the neighborhood that I live in because they're like, it's go. risky over here. Like, wouldn't even go. I'm yeah. not walking down to say, no. man, my dad was in town last week. It's Anacostia now for like most of D.C. Yeah. yeah. I mean, my dad was in town last week. He was like, I'm about to put some things on this grill. I'm walking down to that Safeway. He walks down to that Safeway every time he gets here. You know why? Because his name is Larry Abernathy. <laughs> <laughs> and straight up and down. Right. He right. just He's just right. a guy from Cleveland. He could go anywhere he wants to go. Yeah. And I'm the same way. Like, I could go. You could put me anywhere. I'm not going to be a... F- there are people right. who are afraid. They're black and they're afraid of their own people. Yeah, yeah, for sure. You know what I'm saying? Like, and it's not, I, it's something I don't understand. Like, these are our people. Yeah. You feel what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, I'm never going to be afraid of my people. But maybe it's because I've been around these people my whole life. You know what I'm saying? I've been around all types of people my whole life. It's, it's that. And, and to tie this back into sort of the Buffy metaphor, it's f- trying to figure out what the big bad is. Mm. Where does that come from? We don't know because it's clearly not like you know if, if it's somebody like me, it's like well that he's probably racist or you know or just not this not his experience. But it's oh I got you. the same emotion is driving that response. So here's the thing, and this is again I'm still I'm still figuring all of this out with you guys. Like yeah. that's why we're having this dialogue. Yep. Like right. I remember my mom telling me, she's like, I think you made something and you don't understand how deep it right. is. She's like, I don't think you understand what's been put in, in you. So you have to keep going back to it. She was like, you have your to mother keep sounds like a smart lady. Yeah. <laughs> there were, she is. Man, there was like, there were times where I mean, we've been sitting on this this record for months. Mm-hmm. You know. And we've listened to it. Uh, like, well, in the hundreds of times of listening to it, yeah, every day for four months over here, yeah, I mean, that's not crazy, same, yeah. Same. yeah. That's so crazy. we were in just our conversations, we were kind of amazed by the layers that we were starting to uncover. Correct. Yeah. And even even after he had completed it, it's all done. You know, it's all sequenced, and we're just listening to it ad nauseum every day. And still coming back almost every day and having something new to talk about. Yep. Like, hey, man. Like, did you notice? Nothing to do with the music. Yeah. But just like the the talking points that stem from a song like Restrictions, mm-hmm. or they or they come from, you know, the 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 hook in Generation. You know. Yeah. Well. Yeah. I mean, it, and, and that song in particular. I I mean, we've talked about it a little, but man, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> That, that, that literally is no, no offense. I mean, you've been saying this has passed through you. That's literally from outer space. <laughs> wow. That that type um, of song lands once in a generation, maybe once a century, once a movement. Like when we first heard it, it it just blew me to the back of the room. I could not, and because I knew no, you, and no, I and I could no. not, I could not. <laughs> Trying to figure out, like, I'm like, okay, here's this talented fucking dude. He's smart as shit. Can play the fuck out of piano. He can sing, and I and like, he's got the the roots in civil rights. I knew all the parts. Yeah. 
I still and to this day still cannot figure out where this came from. I don't either. Except don't except know. except that it's here. Yeah, I don't know. Look, man, that song I did that song in like an hour. I know, I know. It was quick. <laughs> I remember go, going down in the basement, getting on my drum set. I went to the gym, came home, and I remember like just that. And then just clapping. Mm-hmm. Like, I was like, yo, let me clap. Like, let me just play this out. You right. know, just play it out, later. So, you know, I laid these drums down. I was like, let me lay this down real quick. Then I was like, man, this joint. Like, once I started EQing it, I was like, oh, this got an attitude. Then I just cut the yep. mic on right. and just started going. Mm-hmm. Like, and I knew I wanted to start with that Pledge of Allegiance. See, this is what I mean by like pieces, right? I did Generations before I did Restrictions. Um, do you remember the original track order was uh, Daily Prayer, Children of the City, um, Villain in Me was third, and then then um, restrictions. restrictions. Yeah, yeah, it was that. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, and Shannon was the one who was like, "Hey, Villain you gotta, gotta go to the end. Villain in Me gotta go to the end." She was like, "You, you got right. too happy too soon." She was like, "That yeah. there's no." She was like. She was like, There's children no of the city. Like, it needs to be, yeah, like, you she have to like, wade through all of this right. before you like, get yeah, to Yeah, she was like, it doesn't make is, sense. Is that catharsis, though? We're going to go on a sidebar here because, you know, you know where, or you know who all the people you put in here. Who's speaking of that, in that one? In which one? Which one? In A Villain of Me. BJ Davis. Okay. Which is crazy. Um, so BJ Davis, man, the way this is what I mean by like the way that God was working through me. These sound bites, man, like I don't I don't know where they were coming from. I watch TED Talks. I listen yeah. to, to Rob <laughs> Bell podcast. Right. Yeah. Um and stuff just starts sticking out. I'm in the gym listening, like I'll have my YouTube on and just mm-hmm. listen. And this guy BJ Davis is talking about how you know, he was on drugs and he was going to jail mm-hmm. and his mom died while he was in jail and he came out of jail and he was like, I'm going to turn my life around. Went back to jail, came back out and really turned his life around. And when I heard him say um, that thing about like, you don't have to wait like, for a miracle. Yeah. You don't have to wait for a miracle. <laughs> mm-hmm. You can create your you own. Create your own. And- I was like, that is it. And yeah. like even what he says so, at the top of the song, of, I've learned like out, all yeah, that out like, of context. That's some fucking motivational bullshit speak. It really is. I get what you're saying, but, but in right. context and the way it's used here, it is. It, and I will go to my grave saying this: it is the best ending to an album I have ever heard in my life. Wow! It is. It your thesis is this dialogue. Yeah, and. A lot of that is about self empowerment. Yeah. And to end it on the the purest statement of self empowerment is just like it, it hits you like a hammer in your head and you just sit there and think about that and then you like personally me, I get up and I start the record again. And I'm like, All right, I've just learned something, I'm gonna learn something else. Let's keep yeah. going. But right. I think one of the important things that I was that I wanted to convey with that mm-hmm. was the religious themes that are inside of the album. Yeah, and you guys spoke to this, yeah. and I speak to a, a similar place that you do. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Where I do not share the faith that you do, mm-hmm. but in the way that I've seen him walk in his faith and be able to convey it to other people, right. I've grown to respect it 
That's actually what I said to you, Songbird, uh, yeah. and, and 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 I said, and yeah, and it, it is it is a growing to respect and understand because I think I think all of us in this room like land in a general realm of similar spirituality, okay. yeah, and that's super yeah. important. How you get there isn't important to me, right? How you get there is important to you, but not like to put it in context and 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 drag it back down the Lynchburg. My dad used to say stuff like had had a uh, had a Korean friend uh, mm. because I was in the orchestra, and so you know it was me and a bunch of Korean kids. Um, <laughs> Word. And oh, I mean, look, <laughs> Lynch, that's, okay. that's, yeah. that's, that's, that's how it's going to be. Also, okay. uh, right. shout out to Steve Hahn. But but, <laughs> but but so 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 my dad would after my parents got divorced, he turned into like sort of swarmy guy and stuff. But he act, tried to act opinionated. He had his own little vodka gimlet that he'd have at his restaurant. Yeah. And we'd go up there on Thursdays and meet him. And this is like late high school and stuff. And so me and my friend Steve, who's who's Korean and his family is Buddhist, yeah. uh, go up there. And after a few drinks, he, he proceeds to tell my friend, who is very spiritual at the time, his family is very spiritual, that he's going to hell because he is not Christian. And at this point, I had disengaged from any point in church and was like seeking out my own spirituality and... and and get in touch with the universe because I think there is an, a, at least an energy or something in the universe. Yeah. We would not have met. This yeah. podcast wouldn't. I, I said this today. I said this on Facebook today. I said if the whole reason I started this podcast and uh, and we got to this point and we get to hear your album and talk to you right now, yeah, I'm okay with that. Wow, man, <laughs> that's like I, that. That's, that's fine. Great. So, but my point, my point about the story, of my my dad is that you know that's bad spirituality. Yeah, that's bad. That's being a bad human. And don't tell anybody they're going to hell, man. Yeah, man. No, just, let's just because hey, just... if they don't believe in it, they, it's not going to work. That's that's fair too. Uh, so, but but but, yeah. but but yeah, but but like to 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 your point, Chris, it hearing you talk about it is the way. If you're gonna find your faith in Christianity or something. Then that's the way in. That's you are exactly. you're on the correct path. Exactly. I've, I've told him before that I think his the way that he represents his faith is probably one of the most genuine and pure that Absolutely. I've ever seen. Absolutely. Wow. You know, and it's, and it comes across in the music, and it comes across in the way that mm-hmm. you know the first group you shout out in in generation is the LGBT community. Yep. You know what I'm saying? It comes out in the fact that it ends with that quote where it's like you don't wait for a miracle. You know what I'm saying? You go out and make your own. Like a lot of these ideas are in direct opposition with what you think about fundamental Correct. Christianity. Correct. You know yeah. Yeah. Because and fundamental so, American hard quotes again. American <laughs> Christianity is similar to New Testament and what Christ was up against. Yep. Right. And I think that's the thing that if you if you really, that's why I say in, in um, Children of the City, um, in these political crooks and Pharisees with dirty looks, you ever walked into a church mm-hmm. and a pastor is like looking down on someone who, who comes in with like messed up clothes on that's or something? That's a pain, dude. Yeah. Like, like 100%. Yeah. Like how, how does that happen? <laughs> yeah. How? Yeah. You, like, you, you are the guys that Christ was talking about. Yeah. You're the Pharisees. So, so Falwell, not junior, senior, Mm -hmm. was at the height of his power when I was growing up. Okay. 
My friends lived around the corner from them. Um, everybody in Lynchburg was Baptist. Right. It wasn't black Baptist. It was white Baptist because there was a pocket of the city where if you were black, you lived there and you didn't live outside that. Yeah. He would send people out to all these churches. And even though you like we were Episcopalian, but the people were like, this guy's on TV. He's Jerry Falwell. So your parents take you to see him. And invariably you'd have a creepy guy who probably molested kids asking like, have you been saved? And and that's what you're talking about, like those type of people that like the the intention is disgenuine. It is it is corrupting what the whole point of faith is supposed to be, which is to make us better people. How can a god come down in human form and serve humans? He has all the power and decides to serve humans. Mm-hmm. And you're a human with power and can't serve humans that you influence. Right. Crazy. So That's insane. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned that. I want to ask you about um, morality. Mm-hmm. In, in the album, I, like, I've, I've, I've struggled a lot with trying to, like, understand the place for morality in modern culture. Because culture, of, not just music. Right, yeah. culture. Yeah. Because it's it's an immoral time, like it's an immoral age. I think that's the thing with the with the digital revolution that we we lost a moral compass because we introduced a third energy into this, like you know, kind of like a b like you know analog thing that we were doing. When you throw in the digital era into it, there's like a third wave that comes in that kind of sends everything asunder. So there's no balance. Yeah. So this is the first time on a record where I've heard like actual conversation in regards to a modern standard of what morality can be. Mm. And it's like addressing flaws, but at the same time also like very strongly advocating for a thing because most people don't advocate for a thing. It's like I compare your record a lot to like Future's record because it's in Future's (laughs) record. He's like, there's literally no morality. I'm just doing some stuff. Are you talking about Pillar of Morality 1 and 2? That that record? (laughs) (laughs) That record doesn't exist. Right, Right. Future. Right, because he's just like, he's like, because the thing about Future that makes it work is that Future's like amoral in a a sense that like is popping catchy and fun. Like he makes amorality seem like the most like wonderful. I just thought you mentioned Gucci flip flops. Right, exactly. Like, right. The most, like the, so it's so future, ridiculous. Future is the guy. Future's the guy in the band in the Blade Runner ripoff. Right, <laughs> just walks into the club and you got Future in there. He's got some weird ass shades. I know this is going to be weird, but I'm going to come. I'm going to come to Future's defense. Okay. Oh, oh, so, oh no, because I, like, yeah. I know you, so I figured, oh, this I, like, is, oh my god. I'm gonna come to Future's oh, defense. Man, you're gonna all come to Future's So I used to have a deal. Let's talk about restrictions, all right? Yeah, okay. So I had a record deal in two thousand and ten. And I remember sitting in that office in New York, EMI. And I remember them saying, like, we're going to make a lot of money. This is where, like, prologue came from. These The prologue sessions were based on this deal. Like, hey, you're going to sing a cover album. I want you to go cut, like, 10 records, 10 to 12 records. We're going to put it out. We're going to put a lot of money behind it so people can hear it. And then we'll gear up for your next album. And I remember they brought me, like, two songs. 
that I was just like, I'm not singing this. <laughs> All right? Like, straight up. I think I was like 26, 27 at the time. Right. And I was like, there's no way I'm singing this. Right. And the guy, I'm not going to say his name, but the guy I had a deal with, I remember after telling him, like, I told my manager at the time to not, um, I was like, I can't sing this, man. Like, nah, this this not the way for me. I was like, I sing. I was like, because it's gonna have it's gonna have my blood on it. It's gonna have my name on it. And once it goes out, I can't get that back. Right. So I remember him telling the guy that I was signed to, and they never they never hit me up after that again. Right. Like they let the deal expire. Oh wow. And they never hit me up. It's the best thing that ever happened to me. Yeah. You know. And the deal went through. I got my money and I kept it moving. You know. But um, what happens is. You have a choice when you're a young black man or woman in this music industry that we have a we have a choice. I would say from probably the year 2000 and on, we've had a maybe before then. But anyways, the choice is black music. I remember them telling me this. Now, listen, yeah, black music, black R&B is either. Raheem Devon, Jill Scott, go get little pennies. Mm-hmm. And even right. Jill Scott's getting Bitcoin, but right. they didn't they didn't think that was gonna happen. Right. All right. So go get little pennies, or it's Chris Brown, Beyonce. Right. Sing what we tell you to sing. Because this is what's gonna work, and this is what black people want to hear. Right. But there is no in-between. Right. And so the reason I say I come to Future's defense is I think what Future does is what he knows. And there's yeah. also a lane you also get in those label offices and it's like you have to sing about this or we're not putting your record out. Right. All of your favorite trap artists are married. Yeah. I just watched the Gucci Mane wedding the other night. As did I. <laughs> and, and did you see Beautiful. two chains in there yes. with his wife? With it his was wife. Super dope. Yeah. yeah. You know? But well, if two, you, but two chains is a funny story because it's like this is it's it's intriguing you bring this up in the context of this record. Because the thing about this record that makes it great, and thank God it's an independent, is that you can talk about these things honestly yeah. because there are no restrictions on you. Yeah. So, like, and, and I'm glad you say this because, like, another thing that people don't understand about 2 Chains is that 2 Chains has been rapping for, like, 25 years. Yeah. You know? probably, the be, probably the best rebranding right. of, like, I remember when Ludacris shouted him out on his first album. He was like, Titty Boy, right. play a circle. Two. 25 yeah. years and this man is and now point you know like after 25 years where he's just making the record whatever the record yeah. is i make it yeah and it's like and it's just a professional thing but when you turn like because music is like honest creative force when you turn like honest creative force into like professional enterprise there's a thing that just leaves just yeah. leaves the room it's like it's like when i write stories or when i like say so like one of the many things that i do because you correctly point out i hustle i do mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm like I'm a legal, uh, all, like legal above ground hustling. That's what I do for a living right. every day. So like one of the things I do is I, I do a lot of copywriting now. Okay, copywriting oh. is fun. It's a fun thing that I do, but I have to turn my brain off. Yeah, before I write any copy, like of of the all the writing I do, that's the one thing where I have to go. Boop. Turn it off. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and then it's like, and then I and then I look at like you know whatever the person wants me to write, whatever kind of like brand they're like, okay, well. These are our restrictions. You things you could say, things you can't say. Like you want to stay within these lines. I'm like, all right, cool. My brain's off. Yeah. Da 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 da. Boom. Right. 
There you go. And it's like, turn my brain back on. All right, there we go. Yeah. So it's a it's a fascinating space. Like, and and Greg, you mentioned future is in that space where its brain goes off. Like, yeah, it's, pop Zanny, do this, boom, boom, boom. Okay. But the thing that gets tricky though is, see, this this is the moral code though. So right, and that's choice. why we wanted to get into this. Yeah, I had a choice to make because I could have sang those records, and those records might have brought fame my way. Right. But I also need my name. And that's just... Um, How many people every day do you think, though, look at that and they're like, this is a reasonable sacrifice to make? I think you gotta, you have, you just have to weigh it. Like, I think that... You think make, it's just a purely personal thing? Yeah, I think it's a personal thing, but more importantly, I just think that black people have been disenfranchised, so they're trying to get to money. Why wouldn't they? Yeah. Right. Period. Like, well, I'm not about to judge that man because he was like, "Yo, I'm not leaving this bag on the table. Like, I'm going to get it. <laughs> it's a big, it's a big bag. Yeah, like, about to put out these three you know? tapes. Yeah, and I can't. Yeah. I would never. I could just never. I could just never talk down on anyone that's trying to feed their family. What I will talk down on is the record industry, though, that puts people at a disadvantage. Yep. That puts people's names at a disadvantage that sells to the world that black people are this way. And that's why when I go out, people look at me and they look at my hair and they look at, at my beard and they're clutching their purse and their pearls. And I'm just like, <laughs> what's up? <laughs> like, right. like, what's up? Well, we, we were talking about Moses Sumney and stuff and, and the interviews he's given, which, you know, are, are young kid artistic bullshit, you know, but, but, but no, but at the same time, it's not, it, yeah. it, it is, that's how he feels. And, and, and when I say that, I don't mean to invalidate any of yeah. that. I'm not going to engage with it, but I'm also like, like you were saying, they, the industry, whether it be the labels, whether it be the blogosphere, whether it be journalists, whatever you want to look at it, like portray, uh, not just black artists, but like everybody, there's little pens, and they slide them into it. You fit in here, you fit in here. Yeah. And uh, and so there's not much room for rebellion left except being independent. Yeah, and, and even that is a risk. Like, what was Ant telling us earlier? He was like, um, you know, the album came out this week. And I told, he asked me, he was like, you know, what's up with the write-ups? You getting any write-ups? And Chris was telling him, like, yeah, we, we're working on that. Mm-hmm. He was like, we're not really getting write-ups the way that we got write-ups on Monologue. And my brother literally said to me, he's like, it's the Kaepernick effect. Like, you might fall on the sword on this one. That is part one of our in-depth interview with uh, Aaron Abernethy and his friend Chris. And uh, as you can see, uh, we get sort of go all over the place. Had a lot to talk about. Had a lot more to talk about on Friday. And uh, I hope you guys enjoyed that. And I hope you tune in. And, and like I said, spread it around. You know, a lot of time we spend a lot of time talking about. Uh, I mean, for us, it's important. We're we're music nerds and. And honestly, I think supporting the arts and, and talking about the arts spreading around is, is important. Culture is important because it keeps us from um, being all just people who sit around and watch My Two Dads all day. Um, and the discussion of that <laughs> prevents that. But 
you know, this in particular is uh, an actual important thing. I'm honored that Ab was uh, willing to come down here and do this, and uh, and proud to consider him a friend. He is uh, he is one of the most righteous people I know, and I don't say that lightly. So uh, there you go. Part one. Tune in tomorrow. Part two. Probably up around eight a.m. I think. Uh, so refresh your podcast there. That is. Uh, it for this episode of Chunky Glasses the podcast. If you liked what you heard, you can subscribe to us on iTunes. You can leave us a rating or a message there. That's called Apple Podcasts now, I believe. Uh, also, you can listen to us on Pippa, Pippa.io. They are our podcast hoster. If you want a podcast right now and uh, you have a good idea and you, you aren't trying to put noise into the universe, because we don't need any more noise in the universe. Then, uh, then sign up over at Pippa.io. They're a startup. They're great. They have all the tools you need. And all you have to do is literally provide uh, the good idea. And they'll sort of help you take it from there. And then you'll be doing this. And you'll be our competition. It'll be great. Uh, you can also uh, always listen to us on the site. We're going to have, for this one, I think, uh, pretty good show notes. Either in the first, uh, first part of this or the second part of this resources you can reach out to like the ACLU uh, history of the civil rights movement stuff like that um, and also if you go to that site you'll not just see our podcast but you'll see the fantastic work of Matt Condon and Mauricio Castro out there every night doing the live stuff and soon Mr. Avery Junius uh, is going to be as you're going to see him uh, shooting a little for uh, for the site here uh, you know the the thing I've said on a couple of these podcasts recently is that this really is sort of like an incubator uh, for people and if I, by doing what I've done, whatever I've done to get to here, can facilitate somebody else doing that, I won't say living their dream, but at least like living part of it, then uh, then that's what we're going to do and we have a team of people that do that and so Avery reached out and uh, last night he shot for the first time in a uh, photo pit and uh, at the 9.30 club, no less. And that's rad as fuck. And, uh, and I'm super happy for him. Like, I can't wait to see what kind of work he does. And I think you guys are going to be pretty pretty thrilled with that. With that in mind, too, uh, you can always, if you want to support us, because we are a uh, volunteer network, go to patreon.com slash chunkyglasses, and you can uh, basically support us by the episode, by the week, by the month. Any amount is great, no amount too small. Uh, to our million-dollar donor, should that ever come, uh, you will own yourself a podcast. We will not give over creative control, but we will let you sit in on the meetings, and, and I'll feed you good food and good beer. So uh, think about that, investors. And, uh, and yeah, so that's it. So hang tight. Instead of Monday, you're not going to have to wait long. We're going to be back tomorrow with part two of our interview with Mr. Aaron Abernathy. Uh, until then, be good to your ears, but be very, very good to your people. We will talk to you tomorrow.
<laughs> 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 Kenobi.